Okay. Well, hi, guys. Thanks for joining us here today. Uh, so last week, if you remember, we talked about freedom and the freedom that we have in Christ and, and how a lot of us struggle with accepting the freedom we have in Christ. And, and remember, I preached in handcuffs to, to illustrate it. Uh, by the way, in the, the second service of our, our live services, I had the right one too tight, so it left a mark uh, for like a whole day, uh, but it's okay. Uh, I'm willing to suffer to tell you guys about Jesus. Don't worry about me. But I remind you about last week because I think this week is actually an extension and, and a progression of last week. Uh, we're talking about radical change this week and what that looks like and um, you see, I think understanding ex and accepting our freedom in Christ can help us, can help lead us to radical change in our lives. And so why are we talking about radical change? Why do we include that word radical and not just talk about change? Well, I think it's just simply to emphasize just how important it is to keep growing in our faith, uh, to make deep, deep changes in how we live our lives and, and who we're living for. And so the, the very first definition of radical in the dictionary is, is relating to or affecting the, the fundamental nature of something far-reaching or, or thorough. So you, you can see that when we're talking about change, uh, radical change is a, a deep down to the depths of our soul kind of change that we're talking about. It's not a, a surface change like you know, changing the color of your hair, uh, which some of you do quite often but it's a, a deep down change. Now, first let me distinguish something. When we decide to follow Christ, there is a radical change that happens inside a, a spiritually. Um, this is a change that, that comes directly from God. And, and it's a beautiful thing. We're, we're made clean on the inside. God makes us new. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if any was in, in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, the new is here. And that's why we, we give out these shirts when people are baptized in our church, made new. Uh, we, I love that picture. We'd love to have you have one of these shirts if, if you're at that place. Um, but that change, that change can happen quickly. might take a long time to get to that point, but the, the spiritual change happens quickly. But let me ask you, does God require that we have everything in our lives in order before we decide to follow him, you know, before that initial spiritual change is made in us. No, he doesn't, okay? But, but I think a lot of people hold back from giving their lives to Christ because they think they need to get everything in order first. They think they need to get rid of all that bad stuff in their lives, and, and then they can follow Christ. They need to, to get all cleaned up. And, and to be honest, sometimes the church is guilty of acting like people need to be all cleaned up before they come to Christ as well and, and be a part of a body of believers. But that isn't the requirement in Scripture, and we need to be careful about coming across like that. The truth is that most of us are, are a mess in, in some way or another. We just get better at hiding it through the years, don't we? And, and you guys know what I'm talking about there. So God works initially to save us, but then there's an ongoing work in our lives as well. Uh, the big word, the Bible word for this is sanctification, and there, there are kind of two aspects of New Testament sanctification. Okay, it means to be set apart. Um, so initially you're set apart or sanctified by the blood of Jesus, but then there is a continual growing aspect of sanctification as well. 
that takes place through our lives as, as followers of Christ. And so it, it is a powerful word of, of hope in the New Testament, assuring believers that, that a, a truly good life is now possible. At the end of 1 Thessalonians, Paul says to the church, May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. Okay, so you can see that ongoing aspect of, of sanctification there, through and through. That, that's what we're talking about today. And this is hard, because sometimes it's hard to see. Okay, people often show transformation photos and before and after pictures, often connected with uh, uh, losing weight or, or working out, and it's a really cool thing to see and very visible. You, you can see how much they've changed. Uh, for some reason, my after picture keeps looking worse than my before picture, and I'm not sure why, but that's a whole other story. But in our spiritual lives, the, the change isn't so evident because our change is inward, not outward. And it's harder to actually see the changes taking place in our lives. And so I actually think that makes it easier for us to just be content with staying in the same place. But the Holy Spirit desires to keep working in us, to make radical changes in our lives. And so let's talk about some aspects of radical change. Uh, First of all, the process of radical change starts with your decision to follow Christ. And that, that's what I've been talking about. Uh, but I don't want us to lose sight of this. God makes a, a change in us right away. We, we don't earn it. We don't deserve it. But he does it anyway. As followers of Jesus, we are part of his kingdom. Let me read a little bit more of Second uh, Corinthians 5 in verse 14. Since we believe that Christ died for all, we also believe that we have all died to our old life. He died for everyone so that those who receive his new life will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ who died and was raised for them. So we died to who we were before. We died to our old lives. We are no longer living for ourselves. We are hopefully now living for Christ who died for us. And so that's the first big change that ha happens. But living a life fully committed to Christ is, is much easier said than done, as you know. It's like God did this work in us, and, and now through the Spirit, we're trying to live up to what God has already made us to be. And so we have a big responsibility, and we need to realize that radical change of our whole life is expected. Okay, Allowing the Spirit to change us should not be considered an option. Becoming a Christian is just a starting point in our journey, not an ending point. Our core verse this week is Romans 12.2. We're in week number 42. Listen to what it says. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Okay, we are not called to be like this world. Okay, we're called to be transformed. We're called to be changed, radically changed. We're, we're to be set apart from the world. Okay, it doesn't say we are to be separated from the world. It says we're not to be conformed to the world or, or like the world. There's a big difference there, so we need to realize that. But God has a better way for us to live. Sometimes it might seem like that is impossible to not be conformed to the world, but you need to realize that radical change is possible. Sometimes I think we begin to feel like, oh, we can't change. I, there's nothing we can do. Okay, we, we've tried and we've failed many times. We've struggled with this sin or, or that sin for so long, and, and we just quit trying. We give up. But I want to reassure you today that, that radical change is possible in your life. 
no matter how much baggage you carry with you into being a Christian. There's a story in the book of Matthew, and in the story, a rich young man came to Jesus, and he, he asked him what, what he needed to do to inherit eternal life. And I think Jesus sees right through him from the beginning and where his heart is, and, and he kind of sets him up. And so first Jesus tells the young man, well, you need to keep the commandments. And Jesus knew that nobody perfectly kept the commandments. And, and Jesus knew that salvation would come through him, but he, but he kind of plays along with this guy. And so the guy says, oh, okay, well, wh which ones do I need to keep? As if it's okay to just kind of pick out a few commandments that are the most important ones and, and keep those. Maybe there's a, a pecking order of some kind in, in how you keep the commandments. And Jesus said, well, you know, don't murder. Uh, and let's see, don't commit adultery uh, and don't steal or give false testimony. Th those are important. Oh, and you should honor your father and mother and, and, uh, yeah, and you should love your neighbor as yourself. And so if you do th these things, you should be good to go. And the young man is kind of relieved and basically says, well, good deal. I, I do those things. I should be good. And, but then Jesus said, oh, and if you really want to do well, then you need to sell all your possessions and give them to the poor. And then you can come and follow me. And it says the young man went away sad because he had great wealth. Jesus knew his heart. He, he knew what was holding back from, from fully following God. And, and so let's pick the story up from there in Matthew 19, 24. Then Jesus said to his disciples, Truly I tell you, it's hard for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of heaven. Again, I tell you, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. When the disciples heard this, they were greatly astonished and asked, well, who then can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, with a man, this is impossible. With man, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. Now, some commentators suggest that a, a camel going through the eye of a needle referred to a small gate called a needle that would be really hard for a, a camel to go through. I think Jesus is just making a ridiculous statement here. That, you know, how ridiculous would be that a, the, a camel could go through the eye of a, a needle, a regular needle. And so Jesus is simply saying that it is impossible to get to heaven on our own by the things that we do. And I share that story to say that this applies to all areas of our lives, including radical change or transformation that, that may seem impossible to us. With man, this is impossible, but with God, all things are possible, Jesus said. See, true radical life change might be impossible on our own. But with God, everything is possible. So don't lose hope in that. Don't put limits on what God can do in your life. Let me ask you, does it seem possible that a caterpillar could become a butterfly? Hey, that doesn't even seem to make sense. If you don't know that it actually happens, you'd say, no, that, no way. In our human minds, there's no way that could happen. They look like two completely different creatures. But God is very creative, first of all. Okay, so to have part of his creation that was one thing and becomes another thing is, is super creative. But he's also amazing, and he can do anything, in, including helping to radically change your life. And so we're going to watch a little video on the metamorphosis that takes place from a caterpillar to a butterfly. 
incredible? I mean, if God can do that, if God can take a, a caterpillar and, and change it into a, a butterfly, you know, he, he can change you too. He can transform you from one person into another person. He, it's no problem. It's no big deal for God. And as he changes us, we, we need to remember along the way to celebrate the victories. It's easy, I think, to dwell on our failures. We, we get down on ourselves, and we think, man, I'm just a mess. I used to be that way in sports. I could have gone three for four in a baseball game and, and be so mad that I struck out the other time at bat. But we need to celebrate those victories. Paul did a good job at helping churches celebrate victories. O often in the introduction of his letters, he encouraged the churches. He built them up, and, and usually during the letter, there was something pretty harsh that he had to deal with or, or clarify some things, and, or there maybe there's some doctrinal errors, but, but he wanted to make sure that they celebrated along the way as they matured in their faith. For example, in the letter to the Ephesians church, he said, For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. He was saying, good job, guys. Keep plugging away. Keep up the good work. I'm thankful for you. In his letter to the Philippian church, he, he said this, I, I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Once again, you see the encouragement and the celebration along the way. He's saying, keep it up. Okay, God is using you guys. He's going to continue to use you. Now, were these churches perfect? Not at all. Okay, they had issues and problems because they had people in them. Okay, people seem to get in the way of perfection for some reason. But Paul wanted to make sure to encourage them and celebrate what they were doing. Are you going to be perfect even as you grow? No. Okay, but you're striving to grow in your faith throughout your life, and, and, and God wants you to celebrate the victories along the way. Maybe it's a little thing. Okay, maybe gossip is an issue, and you haven't gossiped for a week. Uh, maybe you have, have read your Bible every day for two weeks, or maybe you prayed longer than you spent looking at your phone. Maybe you had a conversation with someone about Christ, and, and you were so scared about it, but you did it. Celebrate that. So I don't, I don't know what it is for you, but celebrate the victories, big and small, throughout the growing process. And when you're struggle, struggling, remember that God is greater. Okay, you could follow that statement up with a lot of different things. God is greater than the world. God is greater than sin. God is greater than, than our obstacles. But I mainly bring this point up here to point out that God is greater than Satan. And there is nothing that he can't help you overcome. 1 John 4.4 4. It says, you, dear children, are from God and have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. Isn't that awesome? You are playing with a stacked deck, literally. When I played sports, there were times that I just knew that our team was better than the other team. There was nothing that they could do. We were going to win that game. And don't get me wrong, there was times that, that when we, I went into a game, I knew that other team was better than us. There's probably nothing that we could do to, to win that game. But we can know without a shadow of a doubt that God is greater than Satan. Okay, Satan is sneaky and he's crafty and he's, he's organized, but he doesn't stack up to God at all. 
Okay, his goal is to keep Christians from radically changing their lives. He would love for us to kind of just stay the same. He doesn't want us to radically change. But he can't stop the power of God from working in us through the Holy Spirit if we allow him to. Okay, he just can't do it. So, so remember that God is greater. Now, a lot of times towards the end of a sermon, I try to give some practical steps, you know, kind of bring it home and some things that we can, you know, do to help apply the message to our lives. And, and I could give a lot of specific steps that would help us in this process of radical change, but I'm not going to do that today. I just want to talk about one very important thing for a minute that we need to do or we're never going to be able to radically change. Here it is. Radical change takes full surrender. Radical change takes full surrender. We must fully surrender ourselves to God to allow him to radically change. It's plain and simple. It's not going to happen through just trying harder. Okay, You've already tried hard and it didn't work. Full surrender means I am giving everything completely over to God and, and uh, we'll probably have to do this multiple times through our lives because we tend to slip back. But radical change can't happen without full surrender. There's a story in the book of Acts and if you follow through reading the whole book of Acts, that there is some crazy stuff that happens along the way. Uh, in the early church and the Holy Spirit working and and God was doing some amazing miracles through Paul and through others. And as, as part of our story in chapter 19, listen to what it says uh, that God did through Paul at this time. God did extraordinary miracles through Paul so that even handkerchiefs and, and aprons that had touched him were, were taken to the sick. And their illnesses were cured and the evil spirits left them. And so all these things were happening, news was spreading about Jesus and, and the things that were, were happening, the miracles, and, and, and people were convicted that they needed to follow Jesus as well. And, and I'm not going to go into all the details of the story, you can read it later in Acts 19, but, but listen to the end result here. Verse 18, many of those who believed now came and openly confessed what they had done. A number who had practiced sorcery brought their scrolls together and burned them publicly. When they calculated the value of the scrolls, the total came to 50,000 drachmas. In this way, the word of the Lord spread widely and grew in power. Okay, these were scrolls that would have had the, the secrets to their, their dark, dark magic written on them. And, and this would have been a huge, huge deal to burn them. One drachma was about a day's wages. So these scrolls were worth a ton of money. They were worth, uh, think about 50,000 days of work, what that would equal out to. But these people were ready to fully surrender their past lives to Christ. They were even willing to give up their livelihood for Christ. And for us, it, it may take something as big as, as physically destroying something or, or, or uh, making a huge change in our life. You know, maybe a different job or moving to a different place. I don't know. It, sometimes it could be a huge thing. Sometimes it's little things. But, but there may need to be an outward surrender of something. But what you're really doing is saying, I, I am surrendering fully to you, God, whatever that takes. It's like you're dropping the mic and, and walking away and saying, God, you take over. You do this. Okay, I, I surrender it all to you. I'm reminded of, of the old hymn called I Surrender All, and 
the hymn was written by a, a man named J.W. Vanda Venter in 1896, so a long time. It's been around a long time. He, he was actually an art teacher by trade, but he also helped out his church a lot, and, and he often preached at the church's revivals, and, and he preached very powerfully, and, and many people encouraged him uh, each year to, to say, hey, you, really, you need to do this full time. Uh, God has really used you through this, and and, and he struggled with this for years, going back and forth. And uh, in fact, for five years, he, he wrestled with it before he, he finally made the decision to say, yes, this is uh, what God wants me to do. And he became a full-time uh, traveling evangelist. And so sometime after his decision, he wrote the song, I Surrender All. And for many years, he, he preached in revivals across the United States and England and Scotland and God used him in powerful ways. Here are some of the words from the song. Verse 1, it says, All to Jesus I surrender. All to him I freely give. I will ever love and trust him in his presence daily live. Some of you are kind of singing the tune in your head as I, I say these words. I'll spare you from me singing it. Verse 2 says, All to Jesus I surrender. Humbly at his feet I bow. Worldly pleasures all forsaken Take me, Jesus, take me now. And then the chorus, it, it simply says, I surrender all, I surrender all, all to thee, my blessed Savior, I surrender all. And you know, if you sang this, this song all the way through, you'd actually sing the word surrender 30 times and the word all 43 times. You know, he didn't say, you know, I, I'm ready, God, to surrender a little, or I surrender part of me, or even I surrender most of me, he wrote, okay, I surrender all. And that's our challenge still today, to surrender our whole lives completely to Jesus. And when we do that, radical change can take place. And so I want you to think about this morning and, and pray about it this week. Are you ready? to do that are you ready to surrender to jesus and, and and what do you need to do to make that happen think about it and pray about it and get ready to drop the mic and give it all to jesus let's pray heavenly father i we thank you for the the work that you've done in all of us the time when we said yes to you and you changed us just like that father if there's anybody here that needs to to make that decision i i uh, just encourage them to to be willing to give that over to you but then lord i pray that it doesn't stop there that we continue to learn and grow and surrender the things to you that we need to, to surrender so that we can have radical change that takes place in our lives, change that, that not just affects us, but impacts others, those around us, who you put in our path. So, Lord, help us to do that. Help us have the strength and the courage to be able to do that, to completely surrender all to you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. So I'd encourage you uh, to take some time now to, to continue to worship God today uh, through song, and uh, through taking the Lord's Supper, you know, God is truly worthy of our worship.
and uh, we need to continue to do that. But thanks for joining us today, and get ready for God to, to radically change your life when you surrender all to Him. God bless.